Tonight, tonight. Why not? He'll make you think. I think I'm going to break protocol here, though. He'll make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because, I mean, I'm puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. And welcome on in. It is. Overtime. Jonathan Beatlein on this Tuesday. Happy to be with you guys. Today was a... It's like I took one of those limitless pills. I just felt invincible all day long. And to the point where I, I was sitting there and I'm like, there are things I don't want to do until the weekend or I don't want to do until later on in the week when I'm going to have a little bit more time. Like the Leafs, for instance, right? Making sure that I blew them all to the, the curb to make sure that, uh, you know, they can come by and clean them all up and get everything taken care of. Got that taken care of. I was basically just doing everything. I was uh, emptying the dishwasher. I was doing laundry. What was the other big thing I did? There was like 12 big things I feel like I ended up doing today that uh, were just completely out of character. Oh, I worked out. That was the big one. I worked out. I haven't worked out in forever. We're getting back on the train. I realized that, yeah, fist bumps are warranted there. I realized that I think I was doing it wrong. Since having the kid, which is, by the way, a fantastic excuse for just letting yourself go, because you don't have time to do anything else. you got to take care of the kid. you got to work. There's a lot of things going on, right? And I, I kind of hid behind that. But I was like, I'll, I'll eat healthy. That's right. I'll eat, I'll eat you know, chicken, and we'll be nice, and we'll have salads and all this type of stuff. You guys have heard me. I've tried to go through a million different diets and things to make it all work. No, 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 no. I forgot that for like a decade straight, I legitimately went to the gym for an hour every day. Now, some days it resulted in me just playing podcast and playing the radio station and listening to sports radio and then walking around for an hour. But I was at least there and I did it. And then I, my bird brain, I'm over here like, well, wait, what's what am I missing? Why am I not losing any weight? Why am I not feeling any better? Well, what's going on? So I had to get back to the gym. And so I get back to the gym, literally, uh, you know, one day later, I'm like, well, what's going on? Why do I have all this energy? Why do I feel like I can just take on the world? And why do I feel like I want to do a lot of things instead of sitting there and, uh, you know, hanging out and using my baby as an excuse? So I feel fantastic. I feel great. We'll see how that translates to about, like, I don't know, 10, 20 tonight. But I'm excited to be with you guys because we have an awesome show set up for you. And you guys know every now and then I'll be like, oh, it's a, it's a loaded show or it's this or it's that. Very rarely, and I'm like, this is an awesome show, and I know it's going to be awesome, okay? But I know it's going to be awesome because uh, even if I'm not necessarily awesome, the content built around today is going to be so awesome that we're going to have ourselves a fun time, and I know that. J.B. Bickerstaff, head coach of the Cavs, going to join us right here at 8.05. A head coach on overtime with Jonathan Peter, and that is a that is a first for the program and I don't know how long it's been since the night show had a head coach on it. I'm sure it's happened in the past, but it's something very rare. So 8.05, J.P. Bickerstaff will join the program, and that's the last time I'll be calling it a program like we're watching 1950s television. Okay, Max Struess, if we can double dip. All these Cavs fans out here are like, oh, you never talk Cavs basketball. You only talk about the Browns. You guys better show up tonight. Because I'm going to check the ratings on this later. I'm going to check the J.B. Bickerstaff. I'm going to check Max Struess at 10 o'clock. And if the Cavs' ratings aren't there, I'm going to treat you like how I treat baseball sometimes. you got to prove it to me that you guys are interested, and then we can get back in this thing. I saw a tweet the other day. Or excuse me, today. It was a tweet today, 
And it, it, like somebody went through awful announcing, I want to say is what it was. They went through and they counted the amount of times that ESPN and the lead up to having every single playoff baseball game mention MLB playoffs from eight o'clock in the morning until two o'clock today. And they said there was, it happened three times the entirety, uh, the entirety of that stretch. Three times. All three of them were promos. None of them lasted longer than 30 seconds. So, well, baseball, you got to prove yourself. Sorry. They'll talk, they'll talk playoff baseball when playoff baseball puts up NFL numbers. They'll talk playoff baseball when playoff baseball shows them that they're interested. So Cavs fans, balls in your court. Eight o'clock tonight, JB Bickerstaff, eight oh five exactly. And Max Struess at ten o'clock. If this goes well, we might have somebody for you guys tomorrow. And if it continues to go well, maybe it's something we continue to do. Happy to have those guys on though. Happy to get their perspective on the upcoming season. And I hope Cavs fans enjoy the interviews. I really do. But again, this is all about proving yourself. We're going to do a lot of calves as the calves get going because it is a five-hour show. But I one time made a promise to you guys in regards to baseball. I said I would never do an hour without talking any football. Just not going to have. Just not going to happen. It's just I'm not, I'm not going to do that because I know people my age and younger, and I'm the biggest baseball fan you'll find. People my age and younger, they don't talk baseball in group chats. They don't talk baseball in general. You got to prove yourself a little bit. But if Cavs fans come out and come out in spades, like I expect you guys to, well, all right, let's dance. We got a big one tonight. It's a big one. JB Bickerstaff, 805. Excited to have him on the show. Excited to hear his thoughts. Am I going to ask him about whether the, the, uh, the lights were too bright? You betcha I am. You betcha I am. All right. Let's get to the brownies. Cause I know where the bread is buttered. Let's be honest about it. And I know what you guys care about the most. It's funny. I was talking to my mom the other day. And my mom, you know, she teaches media classes, okay? So it's not like she comes from a complete uh, sense of ignorance in all of this, right? She's got a Ph.D. in communications, so she's very well-versed. She was a radio disc jockey for a million years as well before she started getting into the, the teaching side of communications. And I was telling her, I was like, did you see the list of top 100 TV shows this year already? It's in, It's insane. The list of top 100 every single year is always football dominated. You get like five political shows. You get like one World Series game, a couple NBA Finals games, and then like 85 NFL games. That's just how we are. It's just the reality of it. So let's get into it. Question I have for you at 216-474-0092. And I want to be careful with how I phrase this because I want to make sure that we get the conversation off to the right foot. Not Nick Wilson's foot, which, please, guys, can you stop tweeting at me? Twitter reactions, by the way, brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. Can you stop tweeting at me, seeing if I've, if I've seen Nick's footwear today? I'm talking to you, Don, on Twitter. I, I didn't check. I know it's out there right now on Twitter. I know it's out. I'm not, I'm not checking Nick's footwear. I'm not doing that. Uh, if, I didn't even notice. I had no idea until, until I got tweets being like, have you seen what Nick's wearing today? Before I then turned around and was like, okay, I didn't notice the thing. Question I have for you. Is it possible to burn the tape and wipe away Sunday? Are you able to take Sunday and just men in black erase it from your memory? It'd be best for the players to do so, but I'm talking about you, the fans. Are the fans just capable of that? Because we haven't really done anything productive in the wake of that game. All we, all we've done 
was blame the fall man the way that we always do in Stefanski. We've done the Golden Girls routine of just bickering, and it's become a contest to who can one-up their complaints against the man. Every loss gets put on Stefanski's plate, and every win gets put on the defense or Jim Schwartz or anyone but Stefanski, which is fair. That's how this business works. But it doesn't work that way for everyone. It doesn't work that way for Mike Tomlin, for instance. Tomlin can walk out onto the field like he's Bane wearing the mask and tell every fan that they're an idiot and know nothing, and it will get spun into, man, wow, does he really, he knows this fan base. Well, what a leader that Mike Tomlin is. I, I really must be an idiot, aren't I? McVay's another one of these guys. Shanahan's another, and I might be one of the guys driving the bus for Shanahan, but the league has its favorites and fans have its favorites, and Stefanski just isn't one of them. I spent last night on the short show that we had obliterating Kevin Stefanski. And I thought he had earned it. I thought he earned it because of the lack of preparation. I hate the fact that I put more time into this than it seems like some weeks they put into that. You should not be a head coach of a football team and not be able to come up with a second script for in case Deshaun Watson can't play. How is that even possible? How is it on Sunday morning, it felt like when I did a four-hour pregame show, I spent more time talking about what they should do with DTR under center as opposed to what they thought about what DTR should do under center. They copy and pasted Deshaun Watson. This is according to Daryl. They copy and pasted Deshaun Watson's script and game plan and said, go after it. Do exactly what he did, which is astounding to me. Absolutely astounding. And we're going to talk to Daryl, by the way, later on tonight at 920. I just don't know how that happens. I don't know how. It infuriates me. Anytime you have a sports coach or a sports front office, and I do five hours of radio a night, okay? I do a lot of work when it comes to just talking sports, more so than a lot of people that just hang out by the cooler waiting for any sort of football conversation to develop. I am constantly thinking about this. I am constantly talking about this. I understand that. But it is insane to me that for even as many hours as I put into this, I can enter a weekend and I can enter a Sunday and be like, did I do more work on this game than they did? Did I, did I prep more for what DTR would look like than what they did? Because it doesn't seem like they did. Seems like they thought to themselves, plan A is Deshaun Watson, plan B is we wave the white flag and we live to fight another day. Which, by the way, I commend them for having the logic and the thought process of winning the war and not necessarily the battle. I commend them for that. They went through the Baker years. They wanted to make sure that history didn't repeat itself. They had an opportunity to make sure that they got it right this time, and I think they did. But once you realize that Deshaun Watson can't throw the ball more than 10 yards, or once you realize that, let's say on Friday, he only threw the ball twice, you got to come up with another game plan. you got to come up with another way to do this. But here's where I'm going to give Stefanski and everybody else a break. Because I did hammer them, and I'll continue to hammer them. But here's where I give them a break, and here's what I want to know from you guys. Is it possible to burn the tape and wipe away Sunday based off of the idea that everything you saw on Sunday, I can excuse away? I know you don't want excuses. You worked your butt off today. You, you got in front of the radio, or maybe you're getting to work right now, and you got the radio on, and you're just trying to enjoy your ride in. I get it. You don't want excuses in that moment. I, I, I completely understand it. Guy comes to your house, builds you a deck. You don't want excuses for why the deck can't get built. You want the results. We we have these standards for everyone in life, right? 
I go to the grocery store. I should expect that the, the produce looks good and the, the food looks all right. I got standards. We have expectations in life, right? I understand all of that. You don't want excuses for why something you expect to be delivered isn't delivered. The excuses I would give them is that it's so out of the norm now to have a late scratch for your quarterback and DTR in there that trickle down in such a way that we're not going to have to come across this often. How many weeks are we going to have to lose our mind thinking, oh, well, DTR was in and they didn't game plan right for him, and then the defense vomited all over their shoes because DTR couldn't stay on the field. These are all things that aren't going to be ever happening. You got once a year that this type of thing happens. Am I going to lose my mind over a once-a-year occurrence? Ideal world, it'd be better than that. Ideal world, it'd be cleaned up. We wouldn't have to worry about the even the once a year. But for once a year, am I going to kill Stefanski? And I get it. We all woke up angry on Monday. We've been wallowing in it for 48 hours. We've been disgusted with how you saw them play. I understand it completely. I really do. I really do. I didn't want to spend my Sunday watching. When I, at one point, I texted a buddy and said, this seems like a preseason game. I didn't want that. You didn't want that. We wait all week for these games, and all of a sudden it felt like the third preseason game of the year. That's not It's not okay, and I understand that and know that. But Stefanski has become the fall guy for a week and a game where you couldn't blame Deshaun Watson because he didn't play. You can't blame the defense because they've been great for the most part up until this game, and you can't really find anybody else. You're going to blame Elijah Moore? Is that what you're going to really do? You're going to blame Elijah Moore for that loss? You're not doing that. So Stefanski once again takes the hit. And let me ask you, 216-474-0092. On Twitter there you can find me. I am at Jay Peterlin. Is it possible to just burn the tape and wipe away Sunday completely? Or do you want to hold on to this one? There's something from this game that you're like, it doesn't matter. I'm staying true with the idea that this isn't it. 216-474-0092. We'll get to your phone calls. We'll get to your tweets. J.P. Bickerstaff joining the program. Man, I said it again. It is not a program. It is not 1955. You're not watching Nick at Night. He joins the radio show at 8.05. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterwin here with you on The Fan. Here on the fan, it is overtime with John and the Peter. When 805, we'll talk to Cavs head coach JB Bickerstaff, asking you guys at 216474092 if it's possible to just burn the tape and wipe away Sunday. Based off of some of the initial reaction, I can tell you guys want heads. It is amazing. You know, I, I think about with some other teams in the city, and you guys expect more accountability from your Uber Eats driver than you do from the actual like teams themselves. With the Browns, it feels like any given week, you guys just want you want somebody to be the fall guy. And I noticed the trend. It's not like I'm blind to it. It's not like you guys are blind to it either. Uh, Stefanski, what I said in the pregame, I think remains true. Stefanski could walk on water, and you guys would be like, dude can't swim? What's going on here? He could win the Lombardi Trophy, hoist it up, and you, you'd be like, hmm, don't like the hand that he raised that Lombardi Trophy up with. I'm not here to defend Stefanski. You want to use the Odyssey Rewind? I spent a good portion of yesterday hammering some of the awful decisions I thought that man made. It's pretty apparent to me. Stefanski was just always going to be the guy that this week fans were going to get on. Because you can't go to anybody else. Who could you possibly go to? 
You, you tried making it Elijah Moore a little bit. We can talk about the receivers and some of the, the other guys, but Elijah Moore is not big game hunting for you guys. Not yet. Just isn't. You can't blame David Njoku. That man played his butt off, okay? Who are you going to blame? You want to blame the defense? The defense has been awesome this year. You're not going to blame them. I know that. You're not going to blame Deshaun Watson. Although I guess some maybe could make a case that they have been trying to blame Deshaun Watson. But I think ultimately, if you heard Nathan on Afternoon Drive yesterday, Nathan Zakura, I think you hear that interview and you can't blame Deshaun Watson. Nathan's like, yeah, Deshaun couldn't throw the ball more than 10 yards. Well, what do you want him to do out there then? I think if more people listened to that interview, they wouldn't be mad at Deshaun at all. So it all falls back on Stefanski. And listen, this is how this works in the NFL. Somebody's got to take ownership. Somebody's got to take blame. I just find it incredibly fascinating that Browns fans at this point in this juncture, you just keep going back to the Stefanski will. Anthony on Twitter says, you got to be kidding me. He's created his own problems relating to Baker, OPJ, Clowney, no prep for DTR, which is something I hammered him for, by the way. And he says, and now throwing Watson completely under the bus, he can be gone even if they make the playoffs. I didn't think I'd get that today. People saying he can be gone even if he can make the playoffs. I actually wonder about that. I wonder if it, the the way the fans think and act around Stefanski, if he somehow got this team to 10 wins in the postseason, but the postseason flamed out and didn't go particularly well, Mike Tomlin comes open in Pittsburgh. I do wonder if we get a lot of calls being like, replace Tomlin with Stefanski yesterday. Just a thought. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Warren gonna lead us off here on the fan. Well, Warren. Jonathan, how you doing? Been a couple of years since I uh, seen you down at the uh, pregame, and good to talk to you again, uh, man. I'll tell you what, there's a there's quite a few things I want to touch on here, but I'll just stick with like maybe three of them. But <laughs> okay. my wife and I have season tickets. We go down. Not this. We went down this weekend, but the weekend before. Okay. Yeah. And. As soon as Watson got hurt, everybody's jumping around going crazy, like, you know, wanting want, wanting the rookie in there, and they start chanting and everything. And I get it, you're excited, but you got to be kidding me, you know, because he went out for that one play. Then he came in and did a great job, and it was like his quarterback rating was through the roof, and everybody was like, oh, he's great, he's great, he's great. Like, they don't know what they want. So half the people going down there are either really high on something or they're totally – tailgating way too much before the game because you don't root for a $240 million franchise quarterback to be hurt and a rookie to come in that was drafted in the fifth round. Second thing is, why are you getting away from what is your bread and butter? I get Chubb's not back there, but you pay all that money into that line. Why are you not running the ball and protecting the rookie? The only thing I see the rookie did wrong, he tried to force things. Show me one rookie that hasn't tried to do that over the course of his career when he was in his first year. Sure. You know, sure. I, I, I just don't get it. And it's like, stick to what works. Run the ball. If they don't have the ball, they can't score. That's going to keep you in the game, especially with your defense that you have. And I granted, he gave up the turnovers and everything like that, and it was ugly. But, you know, some of that falls back on coach. But, you know, you can't blame for him for everything. How come the line wasn't blocking when they were running? They should have been blocking a little bit better. And I get it. You're playing a top-tier defense. So, all in all, I say you can flush this one down the toilet because if you think it's bad for us right now, how would you like to be in Pittsburgh and get embarrassed by Houston, who's terrible? And above that, how about Cincinnati getting smoked by Tennessee when we buried them? 
So you tell me where everything should be yeah, falling no, when you're flushing the toilet. Warren, I it's think not, we're still standing up, man. It, you know, we are, and I, and I appreciate the call, and, and make sure to stop by the tailgate sometime soon for me, please. You're not wrong. I, I like that approach is looking at the rest of everyone else's problems in the AFC North and elsewhere around the AFC. But honestly, that doesn't really do much for me. I'm just being truthful. It's like uh, being on a block, and then you watch, and you're like, oh, my neighbor my neighbor lost their job, and then the neighbor two doors down is in debt up to their neck. And it's like, all right, so I'm struggling. doesn't really do anything for me, though. Like, that doesn't make me feel that much better at all. Like, why would that make me feel better? Well, I just want people to, to understand, like, I, I have my own problems. This is my house i got to worry about. I can't be worrying about other people's house. i got to make sure that mine's taken care of before I worry about anybody else because I'm looking at the other street, and the other street is some fine living happening there. They're pulling up the lobster and the caviar. They're eating well. That other street is the Dolphins. That other street is the Bills coming off an impressive week. That other street is the Chiefs, even though that offense doesn't look as good. It's still the Chiefs. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of looking up to some of these AFC teams when in the beginning part of the year, I was playing with the expectation that we wouldn't be looking up to these teams by week four, week five, week six. We would have leveled it out. I think that might be one of the more disappointing parts of the early part of the season is that where I thought we were going to go up in this this linear line of, okay, we take care of the Bengals and we're just going to hunt team after team after team. There'd be roadblocks in there, sure. But I thought we would hunt teams and I thought we'd be able to take them down and then you know keep leveling up to a point that we were considered one of the league's best. And instead, we've we got we went three steps forward to take 12 steps backwards. It's a lot of fun in the beginning, but right now. But I guess I wonder, was it really 12 steps backwards? If I'm looking around and I'm watching what happened in that game and I'm thinking to myself, not much of that game is happening again. Not having a game with DTR. That's not our, that's not our future for the next four weeks. Deshaun Watson, if we believe the Browns, and I don't know how much I believe him right now, but if we believe the Browns, he'll be back for the 49ers game and then we can go onward and upward. But the reality is, is that and I see it. I, I, I know you guys here. I, I see it. The reality is, is that it's not and has not been that easy to simply just say, let's burn the tape. I, I personally, I want to borrow David and Joku's fire pit. I want to burn the tape from the game on Sunday, and I just want to leave it all behind. But I know that's going to be hard for people. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Rob downtown up next. Hello, Rob. JP, perfect segue, my man. How are you doing? What's up, Rob? How you doing? I'm good. Well, what now? I'm dying to know. What was the perfect segue? Well, just burning the tape. I completely agree with burning the tape of that game, but they dug their own grave. And I just continue to go back to, you know, we were sitting here in the preseason, you and I and others predicting 10 and 11 wins, mm-hmm. and they dug their own grave. How many, if there were 8 to 10 teams in the league, Jonathan, that consider themselves a Super Bowl contender and a strong playoff contender, which the Browns want to be and probably believe they are, zero of them have a rookie backup quarterback. They're in the top three in the league in cap space, and they chose to trade a veteran quarterback who's played okay here and to another team, and I think DTR might have a great career, but no contender is going to play a rookie quarterback. You don't have a backup rookie quarterback. You have a veteran. And every team that wants to consider themselves as a veteran. And I just, I think they continue to just, just stomp on their own feet. I mean, 
Jonathan, when was the last time that a team scored 22 points in a primetime home game and the other team didn't run a play in the red zone and still won the game because they turned the ball over three times? I mean, they're a method of their own madness. And I, I just – the Steelers have this amazing pass rush. Watson got sacked 100 times the last four years in Houston, and they're running these long, elaborate plays. Get the ball out of his hands. Avoid the turnovers. Avoid the sacks, the strips. It, it, like, they continue to think that they're the smartest people in the room and that they've arrived. Mm-hmm. And everything that they've shown us this year, injuries aside, shows me that they haven't arrived yet. <laughs> All right. Hey, Rob, thank you, man. I appreciate you. I'm going to comment on the quarterback thing. Um, good call. I, you know, I said it yesterday. We had a short show yesterday. I said it yesterday. I understand not everyone was listening, so I'll do it briefly in case you weren't. They had an option this last year, I believe. I believe. They looked around and they said, do I pay Juan Thornhill $21 million, $7 million a year? $21 million over three years, right? Do I pay Juan Thornhill or do I do what they did a couple years ago when they were paying Case Keenum to be the best backup in the league at seven and a half million. And I related it to paying on a, a, a phone insurance, right? Like I had a, for years I paid on this phone insurance and it was, and I, my buddy started working at a phone company. He's like, don't pay for the phone insurance. That's stupid. And then I canceled the phone insurance because it was like 30 bucks a month or something insane. It's a decade ago. He's like, don't do it. You know, it's not worth it in the long term. Just, you know, cancel it and you'll be fine. You're not going to, you're not going to lose your phone. You'll be fine. And then a week later, you know, 21 year old me, I got drunk. I ended up going in a swimming pool and, uh, yeah, phones in the pocket. It's ruined. You couldn't just put rice in it at that point. It was just, it was gone, right? Done. It's like, well, would have been nice to have the insurance. That kind of feels like what the Browns went into. Like they, they paid for this backup quarterback for so many years. They spent the money on it. And then all of a sudden they're like, listen, we never really went to that reserve the way that we thought we would. We're going to pay for Juan Thornhill instead. We're going to, you know, shore up the defensive secondary a little bit more. And uh, it came back to bite him in the butt. They had to have a game here where they relied on Dorian Thompson-Robinson, making a rookie, making his first NFL start to get the job done, and we saw what happened there. Two one six four seven four to below 92. That guy in Cleveland up next. Hello, that guy. JP. What's up, man? Uh, you realize how silly you sound with that question, right? I, I don't think I sound silly at all. What do you mean? Asking, okay, I'm going to just do a quick analogy. Asking me to erase Sunday out of my mind is like, is equivalent to asking a, a your, your middle school aged uh, son to erase what he saw in his parents' bedroom. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> you can't unsee it. That was pretty good. That was good. I like that one. That was pretty good. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, so there's, there were so many things. Well, um, maybe not so many, but there's quite a few things that were done wrong with this game that could have been avoided. I mean, you know, like everybody's been saying, uh, you know, instead of starting uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, we have we could have started a veteran. We have a veteran. We have we have Walker, PJ Walker, PJ Walker, there. Texas Ranger. Yeah, yeah, we have we have that guy. I mean, he, he, <laughs> you're that, that guy. What do you mean we have that guy? You're that guy. That's that's right. I'm that guy. But like, he's he's got experience. Okay, if we're gonna if we're not gonna prepare, then just throw some some guy who who already knows how to play a game. Kind of well. I'm not saying Dorian Thompson Robinson doesn't know how to play the game, but oh, but PJ you know, Walker's got starts. I know what you're going for. He's got like yeah, seven he does. starts. He's got stats and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and and you know, a couple th- other things. You know, we should have ran the ball more instead of throwing it. 
You see, I think that's easy to go back on. And, and thank you, that guy. I appreciate you as always, man. I think that's easy to go back on. But I, I think, and listen, I gave Pierre Strong his flowers last night. The reality is that Jerome Ford was not running the ball particularly well. I mean, did, did you guys look and see the halftime running stats that we had? I think we had, I'll go back and check the actual numbers. I, had, I screenshotted it at the moment when it happened. But it was like two rushing yards at halftime. We ended up finishing with close to 100. Half of them were Pierre Strong and his five carries. I mean, they, they were not able to effectively run the ball. I don't know that that necessarily was the answer. And then you go down 21-3 at the half. Stefanski's got no choice but to throw the ball to try to get back into it. That's just how football works. But I know it's easy for people in the city because we're built on a running franchise. We've watched so much of Nick Chubb in the previous half decade. Some of you guys grew up watching Jim Brown, and you guys know what the running back position means for this team in particular. But honestly, Jerome Ford, Kareem Hunt, was not doing the job effectively on Sunday to a point where Stefanski could say every time we were making that play, that was the right play. 216 below 92. Is it possible to burn the tape and wipe away Sunday? We had a lot of you guys hanging. Hang tight. We'll get to you all on the other side. We'll continue this conversation. Reminder as well, J.B. Bakerstaff, head coach of your Cleveland Cavaliers, going to join us at 8.05. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here with you on The Fan. Back in the year on the van. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. You heard the caller right there say, I hope someone asks Andrew Barry. Well, Andrew Barry will be live at 10 a.m. That's when he does his traditional bi week press conference. Andrew Barry, 10 a.m., and then he's going to join Dustin and Nick at 2 o'clock. So we're going to have a double dose of Andrew Barry tomorrow, and I hope he's got a lot of good answers for us. So we got a lot coming your way tonight. We have Max Struess. New addition to the Cavs at 10 o'clock. And we got J.B. Bickerstaff, the head coach of the Cavs, coming your way in 20 minutes at 8.05. Right now, I'm asking you guys at 216-474-92, is it possible to burn the tape and wipe away Sunday? And part of the reasoning that I have behind this is that there is so much that happened on Sunday that is not going to happen again that I don't think it's crazy to just be like, you know what? The game got away from us. We had a backup quarterback. Because we had a backup quarterback, they were barely on the field, and the defense suffered as well. And so what happened defensively? What happened offensively? The hell that was around Kevin Stefanski is just not something you can come to expect any given week. And so because of that, we just kind of pretend it never happened. If the Browns approached that game the way that I believe they approached it, which is where they said to themselves... If we don't have Deshaun, we gotta throw DTR in the mix, and we gotta, we gotta just throw up a prayer to the heavens that something's gonna go our way. Well, then I'm willing to accept that you get a couple, you get like, you know, what, four, five, six bullets in a season? By bullets, I mean losses, where you, you, you get a couple, you get a couple here and there, right? Well, that's what the, if that's what the Browns are playing with, then that's what they're playing with. They might have gone into that week four game just saying to themselves, Without Deshaun Watson, we're a different team. We have to accept that. We're not going to wave the white flag and not try. We're going to try, but the reality is is that Baltimore is too good a team. Despite all the injuries and everything, they're too good of a team to just say we can get by. But if I were to tell you to be the fixer, be the Ray Donovan of sports, how would you fix this team based off of last week? And I don't think you can. I think you, got, you just got to hope that they have the memory of a goldfish. They wipe the whole thing from their brains, men in black style. And if I were Stefanski, I'd be pointing out all the reasons why that game wasn't a real reflection of this team and just tell them all to wipe it away. Honestly, I can't really come up with much else. 
But I know that's not a good enough answer for a lot of the fan base because you want to see heads roll. You want some accountability, which is impressive. That's good. You should want accountability. I just find it interesting that every time we go for accountability around here, it always falls at the feet of Stefanski. And I'm not defending Stefanski. I've hammered him multiple times tonight. I hammered him yesterday. I just find that fascinating. There is nobody else we could pick on, so we go to Stefanski. Okay. All right. You guys have made it very clear. You don't want him here. I understand it. The memo and the message has been received. 216-474-0092 on Twitter. There you can find me. I'm at Peterlin. Joe in Youngstown up next on the fan. Hello, Joe. Hey, how you doing? It's uh, Gerald. Oh, Gerald. Apologies, Gerald. How are you? Yeah. Okay, I'm good. How you doing? Um, so I think uh, I think Kevin Stefanski with a lot of people. I've never really been a fire Kevin Stefanski guy or anything like that. Um, I do think he's getting to the point where we're seeing a lot of repetitiveness. Uh, pretty soon he's going to be trying to balance on uh, dental floss. And um, <laughs> I think uh, that this San Francisco matchup is really big. I think there's a lot of underlying narratives. Um, I think it's kind of personal for Shanahan. Um, yeah, they yeah talk, I bet. They talk a lot about the vaunted Jim Schwartz defense. And I think Kyle Shanahan comes in really wanting his offense to get the best of the Cleveland Browns defense. I think it's personal for him on a lot of levels. And if they go out there and get boat raced, uh, that could be the end of Kevin Stefanski. But uh, hang up, let you. Uh, I, Joe, uh, Gerald, excuse me. I, I appreciate you, Gerald. Thank you so much. That just, it seems oddly. I mean, it just, I understand it. He's not, he's not getting fired after the 49ers game. I maintain he's going to get the entire year. For better or worse, I maintain he's going to get the entire year. But that's a great point you made about Shanahan. Shanahan is going to make this one personal. He is the bell of the coaching ball right now. People love, I love Shanahan. I think he's the best coach in the NFL right now. I really do. You made me, if you made me choose one, I'm going with him. That's why, uh, when we start the conversations about who could potentially replace Stefanski, and I bring up people like Tom, when if he gets fired, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, look at that offensive coordinator in Texas. Look at him. Came from the 49ers, has C.J. Stroud clicking. Maybe, you know, maybe the Shanahan tree will end up becoming what the McVeigh tree was, where Will Four got hired, Zach Taylor got hired. Basically, if you got him a cup of coffee, you got hired. It's kind of what it feels like with Shanahan right now. 216474 to below 92. Scott in Brexville up next. Hello, Scott. Hey, JP. How you doing tonight? What's up, Scott? How's it going? I'm hanging in there. Hey, look, I'm going to approach this as rationally as possible. Wind the clocks back a month ago, and I'll tell you that I come up to you a month ago and say, by week four, we're going to be playing Baltimore without Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb. What would your reaction be? I mean, I'd say good luck. <laughs> I'd say we, we, we need a prayer. Yeah. Exactly. So the way I see it, this is probably the worst-case scenario that Stefanski could possibly be prepared for. And I'm not sure what his uh, strategy was. Like, maybe the, the one thing I would blame him for is he needs to come up with at least two plans, given the fact that Watson was banged up. Plan A being Watson would yes. be okay to play and come in and be as prepared as he could possibly play. And plan B being okay Watson can't go. We have to start DTR. What's the plan going to be in that situation? And granted, I did watch the game on Sunday. I I was at a wedding and, and everything, so I didn't really see you got what the strategy you, was. You didn't miss much of that dumpster fire, Scott. It's okay. You get yeah, lucky. I a, mean, for, for, yeah, I mean, 
in fairness, I did plan to record and watch it later, but it's not like I'm probably going to be deleting it afterwards. You saw, you saw the score and was just like, no, thank you. <laughs> right. But, I mean, the one thing I would uh, knock him for is not having, like, a backup plan if, in case Watson yes. does come back, which if, if I was in his position, I would be like, okay, let's run the ball 40 to 50 times and just help him out as best as we can here. But 35 passing attempts, I mean, okay, when he's down 21 to 3, all right, you don't really have much of a choice. I'll give him that. But, but, but Scott, he didn't, he didn't change the game. And thank you, I appreciate you. It's a good point. He didn't change the game based off of who the quarterback was. The plan was for if Deshaun Watson was basically, like DTR basically put on his Deshaun Watson 4 jersey like it was Halloween, and that's how Stefanski looked at him. The problem there is that he's not Deshaun Watson. Spoiler alert, he's not Deshaun Watson. And Stefanski just couldn't see that. But I hammered him, and I will hammer him for that. What you talked about right there, not having two different game plans and not understanding that a rookie quarterback is not the quarterback that's worth $230 million. I mean, change it up. Give me a different script. This isn't Way Miz. This isn't something that you're watching at Playhouse Square where the understudy comes in and has to say line by line by line. No. You change things based off of the talent you have. And they should have known on Friday that Deshaun Watson potentially wasn't able to go. So where's the changeup? Again, Daryl did a great job. Talked to multiple Browns players after the game, and Daryl will join us at 920. Daryl's like, yeah, I talked to multiple Browns players. No part of that script was different. They did the same thing they were going to do if Deshaun Watson was on the field or if he wasn't on the field. And that's just an absolute mistake. It's an absolute mistake. I don't know how they did that. Craig and Akron up next. Hello, Craig. Hey, Jonathan. What's up? What's up, Craig? Uh, not bad. How are you doing? Good, good, good. What's on your mind? So with Stefanski, this just looks like more of the same. Guy doesn't adjust. What's he do? He gets a quarterback in, a rookie quarterback. You know, everyone's talking about running. You don't have to just run screen pass, wide receiver screens, rollouts. Like uh, Baltimore blitz the crap out of this guy because he's a rookie quarterback, and his coach gave him no help figuring out what was going to come. And let's just make it easy. Screen passes. All Stefanski does is game, his game plan is his way, and his players have to adjust to his game plan. He never does it the other way. He never adjusts to the talent on the field. Honestly, get rid of the guy. I don't really want him. This is just the same for three years. It's not about one game. It's about doing the same thing over and over and over again, and it never changes. Greg, I, I hear you, and I appreciate you. Thank you, man. I, I feel like that's where a lot of the fan base is right now. He's, got, he's the fall guy, and I understand that, but you guys have also built up a big case against him. It, it just didn't help. Week four didn't help. I'm asking you guys to, if it's possible to burn the tape and wipe away Sunday. I can tell. I knew going into this that this was going to be the reaction. I can tell you guys don't want to do that. And I, I love and I appreciate that you guys are holding this team responsible. You've always done a really good job of holding the Browns responsible when they have a shortcoming. For me, with this week, there's a lot I've hammered Stefanski for that was in his control. But for this week, I'm not calling for the guy's job. I'm not saying that uh, he should be replaced right now and immediately when DTR steps in and isn't able to get a win. DTR shouldn't be expected to get a win against a, an MVP quarterback on the other side in Baltimore and Lamar Jackson. All right. 
We come on back. We'll continue on with the Browns for just a little bit. 8.05. We got Cavs head coach J.B. Bickerstaff. So we'll take a couple more calls, and then we'll get to J.B. Bickerstaff. But first, we're four games into the fantasy football season. No matter how you're doing, you can always use some extra help. Get the latest news and best player insights by downloading and subscribing to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.